0: Today on the Matt Walsh Show, a conservative actress is fired by Disney after outrage over her anti-Semitic, quote unquote, and supposedly offensive posts, but her posts were neither anti-Semitic nor offensive. We'll talk about the real reason she got the ax. Also, five headlines, including the CDC's new endorsement of double masking and the Biden administration announces plans to get schools back open, half of the schools, one day a week. Is that enough? And in our daily cancellation, we will discuss the crucial differences between breastfeeding and chest feeding. All of that and much more today on the Matt Walsh Show. Well, we're about to talk about a company that does not share our values as conservatives. Um, and there are a lot of those companies. out they're probably companies that you support, um, whether you know it or not. And that's why it's so important, at least, to balance things out by supporting the companies that support us and our values. And, uh, and I'll give you one, top of the list, Charity Mobile. One company that fits the description of, a, of one that supports our values is Charity Mobile, the pro-life phone company. 5% of your monthly plan price goes to the pro-life, pro-family charity of your choice. New activations and eligible accounts get a free cell phone with free activation and free shipping. Plus there's no contracts, there's no termination fees, there's no risk with a 30-day guarantee. What all that means is that uh, you might as well, you know, you might as well give it a try. You might as well try it out. There's, there's no risk for you. You got nothing to lose. And uh, at the same time, you're also going to get live customer service based right here in the USA. A lot of other perks as well um, that you get with Charity Mobile. You have the ability to block the use of cellular data, picture messages, text messages on any or all of your lines especially as a parent, that's something that's gonna be really important. And if you're looking to monitor your usage and pay your bill and all that, you want convenience, well, they got a free app for you to do that. And all the while, you are helping to build a culture of life in America while supporting a pro-life phone company. You can turn everyday living into effortless giving for the charity of your choice. I am a Charity Mobile user. I can't recommend it enough. It's a great service, great all around. Everything about it, it's a a win-win for everybody involved. And if you wanna check out Charity Mobile, then what I would say is call 1-877-474-3662 one 877 474 or chat with them online at charitymobile.com. You probably know I'm not a fan of Disney or Star Wars uh, and uh, had never seen The Mandalorian or heard the name Gina Carano uh, before yesterday. What I learned about Ms. Carano, though, from reading mainstream media headlines and sifting through some of the tweets under the fire Gina Carano hashtag is that she's a bigot and a psychopath and a transphobe and an anti-Semite and a danger to herself and others. I learned that she has now been booted from her role on The Mandalorian and fired by Disney, a cause for celebration, I'm told, after an Instagram post that became sort of the final straw. That post has been reported by media outlets like USA Today and Chicago Sun-Times as straightforwardly anti-Semitic. Not even like some people claim it's anti-Semitic or some people see it as anti-Semitic, but that it is just simply anti-Semitic. This Gina Carano person, I mean, she seems like a pretty unsavory character anti-Semitic posts, transphobic, she's bigoted, all these things, pretty, pretty bad. Or she would seem that way to anyone stupid enough to still take the popular narrative at face value. The rest of us will want to do a little bit more research into the topic and form our own judgments. But it, doesn't, it doesn't take much research to discover that the narrative is, once again, completely and utterly bogus. So what did the now-deleted Instagram post that has been dubbed anti-Semitic, By not only the media, but her former employer actually say. I mean, Lucasfilm sent out a statement declaring that Carano's, quote, social media posts denigrating people based on their cultural and religious religious beliefs are abhorrent and unacceptable. Abhorrent and unacceptable. Is there any basis for this charge? Well, decide for yourself. The post in question appears to be a screenshot of somebody else's post, which Carano had reposted to her own Instagram. It says, this is what it says. Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children. Because history is edited, most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political views? That's it. That was the post. Anti-Semitic? Denigrating people based on their cultural and religious identities? What? It's... It's, it's, the, it's the opposite of that, actually. She, she is comparing our current political environment to Nazi Germany in an unfavorable way. She's not saying it's good that it's like this. And by the way, if making a Nazi comparison is anti-Semitic, then everyone in the country is a raging anti-Semite. As everyone knows, Nazi comparisons are the most common rhetorical strategy in any debate. They may be way overused, and they are, and overwrought, and they often are. But there's nothing shocking or offensive or abhorrent about this one single example of a thing that you can find in a billion other places on the internet. And everyone has done it. Jews and non-Jews alike. We we have all been uh, guilty, apparently, at at various points of of making Nazi analogies. In fact, as Nazi analogies go, this this one gets closer to the truth than most. I mean, she's correct that the lead-up to any Holocaust-level atrocity always involves the dehumanization of a certain group of people. Now, I would say this has already happened in this country to the unborn. 60 million have been slaughtered because of it. Is it happening to conservatives too? Well, we're not being rounded up and executed, obviously, but her point is simply to show where trends can lead when taken to their most violent extreme. Now, say what you want about that, but if you say that she's denigrating Jews somehow, then, well, you're lying. Straight up. And I hope she has a team of lawyers ready to sue Lucasfilm for this defamation. That is defamation of character. They accused her of doing something that she absolutely did not do. It's not even that you can you could interpret it in that way. You, you cannot. And no literate person could read what she posted and see that as her denigrating Jews. We could, of course, sit here all day pulling examples of leftists making Nazi and Holocaust comparisons. They spent four years doing it relentlessly every day. And Donald Trump never staged any mass executions of any political dissidents, yet they didn't stop anyone from calling him Hitler. We can even pull examples of, of, of other Disney actors on the same show making Nazi comparisons. Pedro Pascal, um, another actor on The Mandalorian, tweeted in 2018, uh, hashtag this is America. And you can see it here. It says, he says, this is America, hashtag, with a picture of Jews in concentration camps in 1944. Um, on top of a picture of the infamous kids in cages in America in 2018. So there's the Nazi comparison, except that as far as I could tell, that's not really from 2018. It's from 2010 and it's not from America either. Well, minor details. Oh, and by the way, it's, it's also, those kids are also not in a cage. You could tell if you look at the far left end of the, uh, of the photo there, that there's, there's a, a large opening where the kids can come and go. So it's a picture of kids in cages in America in 2018, except it's not from 2018, it's not from America, and they're not in a cage. Hey, other than that, I'd say it's correctly labeled. In any case, despite common misconceptions, Trump was not rounding up and executing immigrants. He detained them, as Obama did and as Biden is doing right now, and then if they were here illegally, he sent them home. That is not at all even slightly analogous to Nazi Germany. No part of that is the same. The only similarity is that both involved governments and both involved some form of detainment. So by Pedro's logic, every government then is effectively a Nazi government, including the current one running this country right now. But he wasn't fired for that. The reason has a lot to do with those pronouns that you can see in his bio, um, which functioned like the the lamb's blood on the door signaling for the angel of cancellation to pass over. Incidentally, that's one of the other offensive things that Carano did or or didn't do. Uh, One of the straws before the final one, apparently she refused to put pronouns in her bio. Now, That's really one of the things that made people mad at her, is that she didn't have pronouns in her bio. And then when she finally did, um, in, in reference to RT. R2-D2, she, she said that her pronouns were boop, beep, boop, which is, which is pretty funny. But you're not allowed to joke about the sacred pronouns. We must not joke. That, that is heresy. One of several heretical outbursts from Carano, whose real sin, whose only sin as far as the left is concerned, is that she doesn't agree with them. She has a number of views that do not align with leftism. She expressed those views, and that's why they wanted her destroyed. And ultimately, they got what they wanted. What do we learn from this? Well, um, nothing, really. I mean, we learned what we already knew, that we live in a time when rigid ideological conformity is demanded. Carano isn't being shipped off to a death camp, of course, but her case, her case does demonstrate the sort of dehumanization that you do find in our culture. She's being lied about and defamed, and the people doing it know what they're doing, and they don't care. They can look at that post she put up there. They know that's not anti-Semitic, and they also know that they themselves have made exactly that kind of point a million times. But they're defaming her anyway. They honestly believe that anyone who disagrees with them deserves that treatment. You can lie about them and destroy them. It doesn't matter. They do not recognize any kind of moral obligation or standard when dealing with the cultural heretics. You can shut them down, shut them up, cast them out, lie about them, that's the only goal. So ironically, the point Karana was making in her supposedly offensive Instagram post has been aptly illustrated by the outrage response to it. Now let's get to our five headlines. Very excited to announce today a new sponsor on the show, Forty Days for Life. Now this is a great organization. I've I've worked with them in the past. I've I've been a fan of Forty Days for Life for a very long time. Uh, and this is just this is one of those per- perfect fits like a glove. Forty Days for Life for the Matt Walsh show. Um, look, this, if the state of the culture frustrates you like it frustrates all of us, uh, we now have politicians lobbying for infanticide. All of these things. We have the, we have the Democrats in charge, and they're and they're, uh, we know their radical pro-abortion agenda and what's, what we can expect over the next four years. Um, but here's the thing, you know where I see real progress is at the grassroots level in 40 Days for Life. We've talked about this on this show. We've got things going on at the national level. It's hard to control those things, especially with, uh, especially with Democrats in charge, but there's so much we can do on the local level. There's so much that you can do in your own community at the grassroots level, and that's where 40 Days for Life, that's where they specialize. Yeah, that's where they've done all of their work. 40 Days for Life went from one peaceful prayer vigil in front of a Planned Parenthood in Texas to now 1,000 cities in 66 countries. 40 days of prayer, fasting, and law-abiding vigils have saved 18,000 babies from abortion. They've helped 211 abortion workers leave their jobs, and they have closed 107 abortion facilities, including the Texas location that now serves as the headquarters of 40 Days for Life. I mean, how great is that? They shut down um, an abortion facility, and now it's their headquarters. Be part of the beginning of the end of abortion by joining 1 million volunteers and sign up for your location at 40daysforlife.com. You can also stay updated on the number one pro-life podcast, 40 Days for Life. The largest spring campaign ever is happening from February 17th through March 28th. These guys, they know what they're doing. If you're looking for a pro-life organization to be involved in, then you've got to try 40 Days for Life. Don't wait for Washington to heal our culture. Go to work in your neighborhood at 40daysforlife.com. I told you guys, though, I told you guys about Star Wars. I, I've been saying it for years. I told you Star, Star Wars sucks. We got to move on from Star Wars. How, how often have I said this? And I've been, I hate to be proven, I hate to say I told you so. I, in fact, well, actually, that's not true. I love saying I told you so. And I'll say it again. I told you so. The Star Wars thing. Now, we don't need to debate the, 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 the original three movies. I, I think those also are just massively overrated. The acting is not very good. The script leaves a lot to be desired. The ideas in the film are not at all original. Um, it's just sort of like a space, uh, 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 you know, a soap opera in space. But, um, fine. So, but they were, people have nostalgic attachment to them. And I get that. You grew up watching them and, and so you have this attachment. I understand. I respect that. But, okay, now we can move. Can we just move on? Can we be done with Star Wars? Can we move on from it? Can, can society move on? Have we, have, we, have we seen enough of this by now? The last... Arguably decent Star Wars movie was what, like three decades ago? And everything since then has been terrible. Um, and there's not, it's, it's, there wasn't that much there to begin with with the story. It there really was never 40 years worth of story in this uh, thing that George Lucas came up with. Because what you hear from people is that. Well, the, the Star Wars universe, there's so many stories to tell in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Well, you know what? There's a lot of stories to tell in the actual universe. I mean, there's a whole universe out there. You could come up with any other kind. Of, you t- you want to you tell a sci-fi story? Tell a sci-fi story. It doesn't have to be Star Wars. It doesn't have to exist in the Star Wars universe. Make up your own universe. That's what you can do. It's fantasy. It's sci-fi. You tell your own story. It doesn't have to be tangentially connected to Star Wars. That's not really related to the Gina Carano thing, but um, I bring it up anyway. Okay, number one from ABC News: Fit matters when it comes to your mask, protecting you against the virus that caused COVID-19. And layering a well-fitted cloth mask over a surgical mask is likely to prove beneficial, according to new findings released Wednesday by the Centers for Disease Control Prevention. The findings were not expected to lead to new mask recommendations by the CDC. Uh, the public health agency mentioned or maintains that everyone aged two and older should wear a face covering when outside their home. It also doesn't change the recommendation that primarily medical workers in high-risk environments should rely on N95 masks. Um, but either way, now they're now they are recommending, they are telling us that we should wear two masks, or rather, they're endorsing the idea of two masks, not officially recommending it. But that that will come. I, I, I hope by now we can all we all understand how this works. So originally, we're told. No, you don't need to wear two masks. And then maybe you do. And now it's, yeah, you probably should, but we're not recommending it. And then, you know, in a week or two, it's gonna be, yeah, we're recommended. And then a week or two after that, it's you're required to. It's not enough to have one, you need to have two. And I I my I will say again, my my primary argument against wearing two masks. It's not that I don't think it doesn't work. Um it's it's not it's not any health-based thing. That's not my argument. I don't even care about that. That's not my point. Um, My argument is that it's absurd. That it's absurd. It's, it looks stupid. It's undignified. And that's my, that's my entire argument. I think that's what our argument should be. I already see some people making the mistake of, well, let's, uh, no, according to the science, it's not, it's not any better. Um, That's not really, if you don't want to wear two masks, is that actually your reason that you just don't think it's effective or is it that it's really stupid and it looks dumb and you don't feel like doing it? Because I think that that is probably your argument like it's mine and that's good enough. That should be good enough because when you make the argument based on how effective it is, then they could just bring in all their experts and say, nope, you're wrong. It's effective. And since you have structured your argument that way, well, now I guess you got to wear the two masks. So better to just be honest about it. And I'll say right now, I don't looking at their numbers. They say, uh, whatever it's 80, 90%, whatever they say, I don't care. I'm not doing it because I don't want to do it. And it looks stupid. And that is 100% my reason. And that is good enough. Meanwhile, the CDC, uh, also released a masking PSA. Well, um, this is to make the masks look cool and trendy, and, and to get all get everyone to wear them. So let's let's play that now. This, this is a CDC PSA on masking. Here it is.
1: Oh, it's on! Release the meteor! Oh!
0: Okay, so we got we got all of our favorite cinematic characters. He's looking at you, kid. And they've all got masks on. And the CDC is saying. We want to get back to doing what we love to do we got to wear the masks and slow the spread there's harry potter there's wonder woman in the mask in. mask up america it says but then none of them are wearing two masks though so we got i guess we gotta update that psa with the uh with the two masks yeah i'm just not doing it it's as simple as that not wearing not wearing the two masks it's completely ridiculous it looks stupid and uh, and also, its I, I would imagine it's very uncomfortable, and I like to be able to breathe. I don't care if they say, well, technically, you could still breathe with two masks, and it's not restricting your airflow that much. Yeah, it it, it feels uncomfortable. It feels like I can't breathe, and that's good enough for me. That's enough reason for me not to wear it. All right, um, number two, the Biden administration has plans to get schools back open. Uh, they've got, they got a plan in place. And under their plan, here's what their plan is to get schools back open, okay? In 100 days, they want to have half of the schools open in America for one day a week in 100 days. And Jen Pisaki was asked about this uh, at the White House press conference yesterday, and here's what she had to say. If I could
1: just follow up with you on comments you made yesterday about school reopenings. You said the goal was for more than 50% of schools to have some teaching in person at least one day a week. You said you hoped it would be higher. But why is the administration setting the bar at one day a week? Why not go higher? Well. Certainly, we are not um, planning to uh, celebrate at 100 days if we reach that goal. Uh, that is our own effort to make our own, set our own markings, bold and, a, and a, set in a bold and ambitious agenda for how we're going to measure ourselves and progress. But uh, we certainly hope to build from that even at 100 days. And from there, our objective, the President's objectives, is for all schools to reopen, to stay open, uh, to be open five days a week, for kids to be learning. That's what our focus is on. This is simply a goal for a hundred days. So kid, a lot of schools are already doing that and for working parents, one day a week doesn't help a whole lot. That's again the bar of where we'd like the majority of schools across the country to be which they're not at this point in time. And we want to build from there. And it really depends, it it differs from school district to school district. Part of the reason that there is funding in the American uh, rescue plan is to ensure that school districts that don't have the funding they need to ensure they are equipped to reopen to meet that bar and exceed it uh, are able to do exactly that.
0: Okay, so a hundred days, half schools, half the schools open for for uh, for one day a week, and that's. And, but she says that's just the beginning. We'll, we'll start there. Okay, so if it takes a hundred days to get half the schools open for one day a week, how long until all of the schools open are, are open for five days a week? I mean, do the math on that. We, we've got several years to go, it would seem. And there's no there's there's no reason to take there's, there's no reason for this whatsoever. This is pure cowardice on the part of the. Biden the administration, they they know, I mean, everybody knows now that there's no reason for the schools to have ever been closed to begin with. The schools that are, oh, there are some schools that are open right now and they're not having massive outbreaks. So we've got all the reason in the world to just open the schools up. You don't need to, you don't need to taper it. You don't need to, you don't need any complicated plan to do it gradually. Just open up the schools. How do you open them? Open them, open up the doors and say, hey, kids, come to school. And say to the teachers, hey, come to your jobs. And if you're not going to do that, we'll fire you. No big loss. We'll find somebody else to do the job. You know, the thing is, there's a lot of people have lost their jobs, uh, as we know, over the last year. So if, if, if there are people who have jobs and are getting paid and are unwilling to do what they're getting paid to do, fantastic. Get rid of them, and there's going to be a whole bunch of people out there who would be more than willing to do that job and can step in. All right, number three from IFL Science. I'm not going to tell you what IFL stands for. You can look it up. Kids. Well, don't look it up, kids, but uh, uh, IFLscience.com says a study looking at the language people use when they're going through breakups has found that markers of an impending breakup can be seen three months before the breakup occurs. Researchers from the University of Texas at Austin looked at uh, over a million posts from 6,803 Reddit users. wonder how much money they got, how much funding did they get for this study? The users were specifically chosen because they had posted on the subreddit breakups. Hmm. Okay. Well, Hmm. how do you know? Uh, so these researchers were were trying to find out, you know, people posting on the subreddit breakups, like how can you tell that they're about to break up? I don't know. Maybe it's because they're posting on a subreddit called breakups. It's because they're posting and saying that they want to break up. Uh, But the article considers, no, it says, no, before you think it, the indication that a breakup was coming was not them posting in this particular forum. But the fact that they had posted there, as well as uh, on many other areas of Reddit, gave researchers the opportunity to see how their breakups affected their use of language. Oh, okay. Still stupid, but okay. The team who published their results in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences looked at posts before, during, and after the breakups across two years of posts. They found that language markers indicating a breakup began three months beforehand. Okay, so what are the, this is what actually matters. How do you know if you're about to deal with a breakup? Um, What are the language markers you can look for? And it says, signs included an increase in I words, we words, and cognitive processing words, uh, whatever that means, and drops in analytic thinking, indicating more personal and informal language. So you say I and we a lot, and you don't, you, you don't engage in a lot of great analytic thinking. That's a, that's a sign that there's a breakup coming. Of course, that applies to like 95% of the country. So uh, for instance, in the example below the study, the, the words in bold show signs of cognitive processing as well as the abundance of I words. So here's an example of a, something someone says, which shows that they're about to the break up. I'm undecided whether or not to share my story. I need some help because I feel lost, but my story is long and not sure whether it's worth sharing. So that's an example. A lot of cognitive processing, a lot of I words, and that's how you know the breakup is coming. I think this is all quite silly. I'll tell you the written clue that your, your, your relationship is in trouble. You don't need to get into cognitive processing and I and me words and everything. That's, that's not it. Here's how you know. If you're, and I think most people understand this, but in case you don't, if you're getting text messages from your significant other that feature periods, the period we all know is a signal. Especially if it's, a, if it's a one word or even one sentence text message with a period, then you know you're in trouble. You know the breakup is coming. I think we all, we all understand that now. That's, uh, the period is passive aggressive. And I, I don't like this. I'm a fan of punctuation. But this is what's happened now. That even me now, when I send a text message to somebody and it's one word or one sentence, I don't use the period anymore. I used to do that until I was informed that when, th- th- when you do that, it is, it is always interpreted as the other person thinks you're angry. So that's how you know. Um, so, yes, if your girlfriend sent you a text message with a period, it means that she's going to break up with you. That's what, that's what it means. Here's a fun celebrity tweet. Um, the rapper Common quotes Ayanna Presley, and it says, Poverty is not naturally occurring. It's a policy choice. Poverty is not naturally occurring. It is a policy choice. And I just wanted to put that up for, there for you because uh, a lot of people retweeting that. Big reaction to that. A lot of people on the left. This is this is the kind of rhetoric they like. And this is the this is the level of thought that you get from the left now. From the new stars of the left in the Democrat party. Poverty is not naturally occurring. It's a policy choice. Of course, in reality, right. Poverty is like the most naturally occurring thing in the world. At least at least in relation to the human species. At least societally speaking, Poverty is one of the most naturally occurring things in the world. But Before the Industrial Revolution, I don't know the exact number. You can look it up. But I'm guessing that for the entirety of human civilization up until the Industrial Revolution, probably well over 90% of the human population, probably well over 90%, was in poverty by our standards and by their own. Um, so that's, that is really the natural state for people is to not have wealth it's unfortunate it's but it's the reality this of course is what this is this is required though on the left you have to see poverty as a choice and that means that you know anyone who's in poverty now they are they're the victim of of somebody most likely they're the victim of a rich person if you are rich it means that you are you the money that you have you are you're depriving it you're depriving someone else of that wealth wealth just by having it of course, total nonsense. It's a it's a it's a nice slogan you can put it on a bumper sticker. But it is disturbing to think that our lawmakers are actually that stupid. All right, number five. I've had this in the queue for quite a while, and uh, I want to finally play it for you. The the website LGBTQ Nation, always with the important news, says quote a video on Twitter went viral showing one showing one trans lesbians response to a transphobic trope. Now, trans lesbian. That would be a biological male who's attracted to women, a straight guy, basically. Um, Twitter user Eva uploaded a a video that visually and beautifully took on the hateful notion that transgender people are just playing dress up. So, okay. So this is a video that's supposed to destroy anti-trans talking points from a trans lesbian, otherwise known again as a male attracted to females is a bombshell video destroys all of uh, the the anti-trans talking points. And uh, here it is right here. Let's watch.
1: So as a trans woman, I've gotten a lot of strange comments over the years about my body and appearance. And one that always sticks out to me is, you know, wearing a dress doesn't make you a woman. And like, wearing a what? I'm sorry, wearing what? Did you say like a dress? A dress, like, like this? Or maybe uh, more like this. Sorry, I just, I don't really wear. Okay, well, this
0: one's kind of cute. Or how about this? Okay. So that's it. Debunked. Debunked. If you thought that um, men have penises and women have vaginas, it, you've, you've just been debunked. It's, it's over. That's, that's science right there. Now, if you're listening on audio, what, what, what was happening there is the, uh, the trans individual was changing outfits. And uh, sometimes he was wearing a dress. Other times he's wearing more uh, you know, m- outfits that are more masculine. And this is supposed to prove something. I don't, I don't know what exactly. Now, th- this is maybe something that people on the LGBT left don't understand. We, we know, I, I understand that anyone can wear any outfit. I, I totally get that. But the whole point is that putting on a certain outfit doesn't actually change your biology. That's the point. We get the same thing anytime there's a story about, um, in in fact, we'll talk more about this in the Daily Cancellation, but when there's a story about a man giving birth, we could see it, you know, and and maybe we'll see a picture of a guy with, not a guy, but an individual with with facial hair, uh, with, uh, you know, wearing male clothing, but with uh, the pregnant belly. And that's supposed to prove something to us. No, yeah, w- w- we get it. That's that's a, a woman. It's a female who's gotten some surgery and is you know, taking hormone pills and is wearing a certain kind of outfit, but still a female. That, that doesn't blow my mind at all. I'm perfectly aware that anyone can wear any outfit. In fact, that's that's my point, that you can wear whatever outfit you want. Just because you're a guy doesn't mean that you have to wear outfits that we culturally associate with men. But the point is, if you do put on a different outfit, if you put on a, an outfit we, can't, we associate with women, it doesn't make you a woman. So once again, we are the ones saying that men, you know, men are free to wear whatever the hell they want to wear. But you're still going to be a man while you do it. All right, now let's move to our newest beloved segment. Reading the YouTube comments, where we read the YouTube comments. Um, first, this is from John Reed yesterday on the show. He says, and a lot of comments like this, I have to admit, uh, but John Reed says, Matt, that cardigan has to go. I did wear a cardigan on the show yesterday and, a, and got very bad reviews. And here's, here's the thing. I blame my wife for it. Now, I, I make no apologies for the cardigan. I think I look great. And I, now I'm going to wear the cardigan more often just to spite all of you and your cardigan shaming. But I really blame my wife because I, I was talking to my wife later that night and I said, you know, I wore the cardigan today and people seem, people were making fun of it. They just seem not to like it. And she said to me, you wore that? Yeah. What?" And then she explained to me that it looks terrible. What, why? That's, see, that's, it's your job to make sure that I don't look terrible when I leave the house. As a woman, as the wife, that's your job. So if I leave the house looking awful, really this falls on you. So blame my wife for that. And John Reed, you're banned from listening to the show. Heather Hyde says, just want to say, I love your wife. Perhaps you used to think you were your own man, but it's about time you realize you are her husband. Love and light from New Orleans. Well, that's, that is part of marriage though, isn't it? That's something that probably people don't understand in modern culture. But uh, when you when you get married, you are not totally your own anymore. That's part of marriage. It's part of the, the miracle of that sacrament of marriage. When you say, I do, you are you're coming together, you're being bonded as one in a real, in a a very real and spiritual sense. Um, Someone with the, uh, with the username, I'm not your buddy guy says, what is the political makeup of lawyers? Seriously, how many are left wing? Their disdain slash hatred of president Trump combined with the fear of others left him with very few options. My only question is, does it have to be lawyers? Clearly this isn't a, a judicial proceeding with no real judge presiding and it's all for show. So why not have you go up there and defend President Trump? Well, I don't think I'm the guy to do it. But your question about, you know, because the the lawyers for Trump are doing a terrible job. I think we all agree on that, Uh, particularly the one lawyer, at least. Bruce Castor, does he have to have to be a lawyer at all? Could it just be anybody that gets up that he hires? I I would assume, yeah, it could be anybody. Um, But but even so, the problem, again, is that Trump's one of his great weaknesses, like I said yesterday, one of his great weaknesses uh, is is in personnel in his hiring decisions. We saw this going all the way back to the campaign, through the administration, and even now. So whether he's hiring lawyers or not, he does not appear to be the best judge of talent. So I think that would be the case no matter who he was hiring. And one of the reasons for that is that for Trump, the, the number one thing he's looking for is undying, unyielding, Loyalty to him. Which, yes, of course, you, you want people you hire to be loyal to you. But that shouldn't be the only thing you're looking for. But for Trump, it appears that's really it. He just wants someone who's loyal to him and says nice things about him. Um, but there are a lot of people who are, who are talented and could do a great job, yet they have minds of their own. So they may not line up with you 100% on everything. Yet for Trump, that's disqualifying. And so he rules out a lot of what would otherwise be talented people. Um, This is from Laura Brooks, Brooks, referring to the story we led the show with yesterday. Officer Sicknick was reported to have been killed by a blow to the head during the riot, but no evidence has been given that such a blow was ever delivered. No evidence has been found that he was killed by any action taken by any person in the crowd in D.C. At least if there is evidence of that, they're not telling us. Laura says, as an EMT, I can guarantee that if somebody has trauma to cause death, it would be obvious without an autopsy. Yeah, that's, that's, that's again what I would assume that if someone, the original story we were told about Sicknick is that he was beat to death by, by someone in the crowd or multiple people in the crowd. And you would think, even though I'm not a doctor, I would assume that if somebody was bludgeoned to death, um you'd be able to tell. It would be pretty obvious during the medical examination and the autopsy, if not before that, as you point out. But even if it's not, now you, you could argue that sometimes someone could, in a sort of a freak occurrence, someone could suffer a blow to the head and it's not immediately obvious and then die later because of the, the internal damage that was done. I, I suppose that sort of thing has happened. But even there, then you'd be able to tell in the autopsy. Except they're not releasing the autopsy. And I, I, I cannot imagine any good reason. I can imagine a number of reasons why they wouldn't release the autopsy. I can't think of any good reason. It's hard for me to imagine an ethical reason. When there is so much interest, public interest in this case, uh, when it's being referred to so often in the, in the impeachment trial proceedings, when it's, this is one of the things being used as a reason to have the military occupying D.C., Uh, Because of all those reasons, the, the public has a real interest in what actually killed Officer Sicknick. Yet they're not telling us the autopsy results. Jack Walsh finally says, Matt, please help. My marriage is in shambles. I've tried to get help through counseling with no results to speak of. I thought the problem would work itself out with time or I could learn to live with it. But since my son is almost two now, I now see that it is unlikely to work. No matter how much I plead, what factual and logical arguments can I put forward or emotional connections I try to make, my wife still puts ketchup on meatloaf. I'm at my wits end and I'm desperate. I've been there before, uh, Jack. I understand what you're going through. All I could say is just take over the meatloaf making duties. That's what I did in my house. That's the only, that's what you need to do to save your marriage. Godspeed. God bless. Yeah, this has been obviously a really difficult year for businesses. Um to put it very mildly, but I've been impressed to see small business owners and others pivoting and adjusting to this reality and finding ways to to stay alive and in many cases actually thrive. Um, Businesses have had to be pretty flexible this past year from working remotely to pivoting their business models for long-term survival and growth. If you're in charge of hiring for your business, these pivots have made your job even more challenging, especially if you've had to hire for brand new roles Thankfully, there's one place that you can always count on to make hiring faster and easier. That's ZipRecruiter.com Walsh. ZipRecruiter.com Walsh. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job boards with one click. So it's very easy for you. Then ZipRecruiter, uh, they use their powerful technology to find people with the right skills and experience for your job and they actively invite those people to impl- apply. So this is not just like putting something out there into the ether and hoping that uh, someone the right person finds it. They're actively presume- pursuing candidates for you. It's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. You can see for yourself right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ziprecruiter.com Walsh, that's ziprecruiter.com Walsh. Let ZipRecruiter take hiring off your plate so you can focus on growing your business Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Walsh, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And here's another th- smart thing, um, and also possibly the best news you're going to hear all day, maybe all year. Right now, using promo code Walsh, you'll get 10% off any Daily Wire membership plan. Let me tell you, if you're not a member, you're missing all the best stuff. You're being left out in the cold, and you don't want that anymore. So use this promo code, get 10% off. What makes a membership so great? Well, members get our articles ad-free. They get access to all of our live broadcasts. They get the show library. They get two hours, uh, two full hours of the Ben Shapiro show. They get our always growing catalog of content. And we've got so much more. We've got a lot. Of, we've got a lot of extra content now, much more to come down the road. Plus, with our all access, you'll get um, two of the greatest of all beverage vessels, the Leftist Tears Tumbler. All of that, plus 10% off. You use promo code WALSH. So go over to dailywire.com and become a member today. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. So today we're going to cancel male breastfeeders. Well, we can't, can't really cancel them because they don't exist, never have existed, cannot exist. So instead, we're canceling the people who want us to pretend they exist. Reading now from the Daily Wire, it says in Great Britain, a group of hospitals has instructed midwives in their maternity departments to use different terms when treating transgender patients in order to be more gender inclusive, substituting chest feeding for breastfeeding, replacing breast milk with human milk or breast slash chest milk. Gross. Or milk from the feeding mother or parent. Terms like chest feeding and human milk are being introduced at NHS Trusts in a bid to boost inclusivity. Bristol Live reports staff has been instructed uh, to use gender-neutral language alongside, not instead of, traditional terms that ensure that all groups are represented. Um, LBC reported of Brighton and Sussex University Hospital, NHS trust. The hospitals will become the first in the UK to introduce an official gender-inclusive language policy for its maternity services departments, which will be rebranded as perinatal services. Terms such as woman and father will also be superseded by woman or person and parent-co-parent or second biological parent, respectively. Brighton and Sussex University Hospitals NHS Trust explains in its announcement of the changes, we are on a journey towards gender-inclusive care for everybody during pregnancy, birth, and afterwards. This journey is led by members of the trans and non-binary community. We're at the beginning of this process, which will continue over the next few years, Midwives believe pregnancy and birth are normal, healthy parts of life. The midwife's role is to support a pregnant person's journey through each stage of pregnancy, birth, and the early days with their new baby. Midwives believe that you know what is best for you and your baby and will work together with you to ensure your experience of pregnancy and birth is safe and possible, possible, positive that is. Okay, now we can all agree, hopefully, that human milk and chest milk are the most disturbing and revolting rebranding attempts in world history, even worse than New Coke, probably. As for the chest feeding concept, now I have all the criticisms you'd expect me to have and that any sane person would have, namely that there is no such thing as being gender inclusive when it comes to childbirth and lactation. These are things that only women can do or will ever be able to do. And frankly, as a man, I'm quite grateful for that. I I am more than happy to leave all of the birthing and the lactating to my wife. I have to admit that on the three occasions that my wife has been pregnant, um, I thought to myself nearly every day, Man, I am so glad that I'm not the one who has to do this. But whether I'm happy with it or not, the reality is still the reality. There there is no room for inclusion here. It's just like um, only fish have gills, okay? You can wish that you have gills, and you can insist that you have gills, and you can tell everybody to call you Carl the Carp or whatever, but if you jump into a lake and sit at the bottom without an oxygen mask for several minutes, you're going to drown. It doesn't matter what you think or how you feel. The reality is the reality. A man can say that he's a woman and identify as one, but he will never give birth and never lactate ever, period. Just like a woman can say she's a man, but the fact that she can give birth and can lactate means that she is not a man and will never be one, period. These are all the obvious points to make. But let me, let me mention two others. The first is this. Um, although not everyone can breastfeed, everyone does have breasts. Breast is an already inclusive term. We all have them. They typically look different between women and men, though not in all cases. But all members of the human species have breasts. That's why men can even get breast cancer. It's rare, but it does happen because men have breasts. So even if you were trying to include men in breastfeeding, there's no reason to change the word breast. Men have those. It's the feeding part that complicates matters. In a similar fashion, all women have chests. All people have chests and breasts because those are interchangeable terms, which is why changing the term is superfluous and pointless. All you've succeeded in doing is making it sound weird. I mean, it wouldn't be technically wrong to say that you went to Popeye's and ordered a bucket of chicken chests, but it sounds weird and there's no reason to say it. A chest is a breast is a chest is a breast, okay? Once again, proponents of left-wing gender theory reveal themselves to have absolutely no understanding of human anatomy. They apparently think that that women don't have chests. I mean, I wonder if they think we need different names for male and female arms and legs, too. See, see, this is the irony. The left says that it doesn't like gendered language, but what they end up doing is making non-gendered language gendered and then changing it on the basis that it's gendered. If you recall, a very similar thing happened with the a-men, a-women debacle a few weeks ago. They take a word that is not gendered, they make it gendered, and then they change it because it is gendered, even though they're the ones who made it gendered. One other point. Um, This is more than just silly and stupid. It's both of those things, of course, but it's more. And this is dangerous. Imagine what will happen if these lunatics get their way and succeed in convincing some people, at least, that babies can be fed by men through chest feeding. Babies will die in that case. Because again, no matter what the left's ideology says, no matter what they might want, the simple reality is that babies need milk from women or else a direct substitute of milk from women in the form of formula. If they latch onto a man and start suckling, they're going to come up empty. But We're in a world now where not everybody understands that basic point. And I'm not joking when I say that we will eventually start hearing stories about malnourished and starving infants who are being breastfed by their fathers who identify as mothers. Don't think it's too crazy. Nothing is ever too crazy anymore. If modern culture has taught us anything, it's that. Nothing is ever too crazy. And so the people pushing chest feeding are, of course, very much canceled. And that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vadosky. The show is edited by Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. House Democrats undermine the case for impeachment. The 1619 Project New York Times journalist doxes a conservative journalist And France tells America to stop exporting wokeness. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.